for me, if I'm doing a headliner, it needs to be like the weirdest possible scenario. I'm talking about like, I have to contact the venue and make the whole venue pink. Like I'm extremely extra in how I like to operate my things, which I think makes the best art if you just take it to 110. Hey guys, James Wilson-Taylor here for Rock Sound. Now, Scene Queen's new single, Pink Rover, is available right now. She is on the line to tell us all about it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. A little shocked that this is happening, but great. (laughs) (laughs) Good shocked, I hope. Good shocked. Yeah, exactly. Okay, just to check. That makes sense. Um, Well, I mean, congrats on the success of this single. Obviously, it's been out a couple of weeks now. We can already see this kind of huge fan reaction online. It's really kind of picking up pace, which is really exciting to see. Um, Why don't we start? You just tell me a little bit about the inspiration, not just lyrically, of course, but also the music inspiration in there as well. Where did that all kind of come from for you? So... I like come from, well, in the working world, like I came from the pop scene, like pop and hip hop. So I'm a chronic rewriter um, of songs just because like, it's very different in that world. I feel like in rock, you have like a set week that you're supposed to crank out all your songs for the EP and then you're done forever. For me, I had like a song from 2020 that was like an Alice in Wonderland theme song And then like that ended up turning into like this kind of weird religious song that I ended up like not liking entirely, but it ended up being like something about like the confessional. And then that ended up turning into, I had a session like in 2021, I think in April um, with my producer, Zach Jones, and then my co-writer Ronnie from As It Is. and we were in a session and they I walk in the studio and they were like playing with this knife sound and they were like, um, we have this idea like, oh, I'm going to cut him or something like that. And I'm like, that's so weird because I already have something kind of in line with that. Um, but ironically, I was getting out of my um, car to go into the session and this guy was like whistling at me and like harassing me walking into the studio. And I was like, I just really want to write a song about catcalling. Um, so then that kind of turned into the most violent but jokingly violent song that I have um yeah so it was like one of those things I just like rewrote everything and then it fell into place perfectly where it was like by the third time around it was exactly what I wanted the song to be um but up until that point like we had had a couple sessions back to back to back and we were just kind of going crazy with the whole pink thing I'm one of those people where if you like tell me I can do something, I'm going to run with it. So my first song I ever wrote with them was my song Pretty in Pink. And I sent it to my label and they're like, we love the pink stuff. Like, that's so sick. And I'm like, okay, watch me. And I did five consecutive pink songs. Um, And then that just ended up working out like perfectly for my branding and everything because I'm all pink anyway. So yeah, it was kind of a mishmash of every single thing I had done put into one song. Yeah, it fits together all very, very nicely. And as much as, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you've talked about the lyrical theme and everything, as much as catcalling sucks and fuck that guy, if you're watching this, which presumably you're not, but anyway, um, I do like the fact that you're able to literally go from that and then straight into the studio. That's got to be pretty cathartic to suddenly be like, yeah, I can actually tell this guy off like the minute I get in front of a microphone. I mean, I think I lived in Hollywood, like I kind of live 
off of Hollywood now, but I've like lived in a, the Hollywood area for like three or four years. And if you're in like the dead center of Hollywood, you're getting like harassed literally every yeah. single day. So I'm like, so it's just like such a subtly annoying part of my day every single day that it like was so easy for me to tap into that the moment I walked in the studio. I, uh, I left the studio the day we wrote the song and I was like, I swear if my one boner song is my number one stream song, I'm going to be so mad. And sure enough, the internet remains undefeated. I should have known like they were going to laugh at the boner line. Like, <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? The internet's going to internet at the end of the day. <laughs> um, I'm glad you mentioned the co-writers and everything as well. You know, obviously a producer in there and stuff. But then, yeah, Ronnie from as it is who of course you know we've covered a lot over the years and, and as it is work in general such a lovely dude and obviously a really uh collaborative guy as well he loves working with other people and other new artists what's that working relationship been like with him in particular so i think the trio of the three of us was kind of perfect um zach is like a producer you know and producers tend to when you first meet them they're on their com computer the entire time like not talking much and Ronnie, if you sit down with him for five seconds, he'll talk your ear off like the most like charismatic, talkative guy in the entire world. So it was kind of perfect because like Zach would be like cranking out these crazy guitar parts or whatever. And then while that's going on, like Ronnie and I within 15 minutes are talking about like the very beginning of my childhood and all the trauma that I've faced. Like he's getting to the core of who I am within 15 minutes of talking. So it's kind of perfect because by the time like Zach finished laying down a guitar part. We were like, yeah, we got first verse, second verse, chorus, let's like drop it in. So we like are always in and out of the studio within like three and a half, four hours, have the whole thing like tracked. And I'm one of those people where I'm like first take, like that's gonna be the final vocal. Like I'm not one to, I'll never be more angry or like happy or whatever than I am in that session. So within four hours, we're pretty much like done with the entire song. And then Zach ends up mixing it and we drop it, but. Yeah, Ronnie's like kind of the perfect person for me just because like I love to like bounce off lyrical ideas, but he's also the sort of person like a lot of my music is wordplay and things like that, which you'll see more in the coming songs. But there's like a lot of rhythmic parts and whatever. And like Ronnie's kind of into that whole emo trap world. So he's one of those like people where I'm like, if I need one word to end the line, like he's like, oh, I know exactly what you're going for. Like has it written down before I even say it sort of person. So I love working with them. I'm like excited to get back in the studio with them like very soon here, but great relationship. Yeah, that's really exciting. It's always nice to hear when those collaborations kind of work really well and really click. And like I say, we can see it already on the, the couple of tracks that are out there. Um, and you mentioned the pink theme. I like that you're hanging things around the same theme. I like that it's all sort of fitting together as things kind of come out in that way. Do you see that? Is this is this going to be continuing, I guess, for this, this era or whatever you want to call it? Is this going to keep progressing? We've got more pink songs to come. So not to like spoil anything, um, because I have some announcements coming up in the next few weeks about okay. where this is all going. But um, yeah, the pink thing is going to be continued on for the next few singles. Um, and then I have a song that's like really going to like shake the or rock the boat a little bit, like shake things up. Um, that's not in the pink theme. So when you hear that, you're gonna be like, oh, I get what she's trying to do because it kind of plays into the whole pink um, thing. But as far as like branding wise, pink is always gonna be my thing. Like I always call myself Emo L Woods. Like that's just, 
I live and die by pink. My rooms have always been pink, like most of what I own now, especially like because people are gifting me pink things, like half of what I own is pink. So that's not going away anytime soon in terms of branding. But song wise, I think the pink is like a moment. Like I don't want to throw in the word pink in every single song. I feel like that might get irritating, but for now, I think it's cool. So I'm stoked on it. Yeah, no, as you should be, man. It's been interesting to see what's come out so far. I'll be interested to see what's around the corner. And and we should mention, of course, you know, you are signed now to Hopeless Records, which is exciting. What's that kind of relationship been like? And, and how did you kind of get approached in that first place as well? That's got to be a really nice, exciting moment, particularly as someone like yourself, who's obviously been a fan of the scene for a long time and knows all these bands that have come up through that label. So it's kind of funny. When I was like 14, I would tell every single person I knew like, and this is when I lived back in Ohio, I was like, I'm going to move out to LA and I'm going to work for either Hopeless Records or like Fearless Records. But I kept saying Hopeless Records over and over again because my favorite like artists at, or artists in general, um, The Ready Set was at the time signed to Hopeless Records. And I'm like, I'm going to work with bands like The Ready Set and We Are The In Crowd who were like both on Hopeless. Um, fast forward to I'm in college now and studying music industry studies um and i thought i wanted to be like a tour manager or something like that um ended up like switching schools and going for production but at the time i had applied for a hopeless internship like three different times never even got an email back like whatever i just got rejected 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 fast forward three more years and i'm like well now you pay me like <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream yeah, meeting exactly. to be able to take and go, well, here we are now. That's so good, man. But no, it, it was great. They um so I had my first single, Are You Tired? Um, do pretty well on TikTok, which is a different sound than what I was like trying to do, but it was just a matter of I didn't really have the right people to like work with in terms of like they knew exactly what sound I wanted to do. And I was still kind of like figuring out what I wanted to do sound wise. Cause I think I, I tried to get away from the pop world so much in my first song that I was like, I'm not going to have any elements of pop. It's all going to be like active rock, whatever. And then like, right after I released that, I'm like, I kind of miss these, like, you know, like rhythmic sections and like all that sort of thing that I came from like the pop and hip hop world that I was in. Um, so yeah, they approached me after my first single and they were like we want to hear like demos or whatever um so I showed them all these demos and I was all nervous about it because like none of them were like are you tired um and then I was saying I want to do this whole like hyper feminine like girly thing and like because I'd gotten so much flack from gatekeepers on my first song like literally my first song was so active rock like not that pushing the boundaries at all um and I was still getting like you know, shit or whatever, just for being like girly. And I would get so many like, I hate when prissy girls do this on our track, like whatever, just like stupid things like that. But I'm like, you know what, I'm going to play into it and be my most like feminine self so that girls know like, if they're hanging out with my music, there's always a place for them. They don't have to worry about like things like that. Like within our shows and our space, it'll be like very like a positive place for women. So I said, like, I want to play into all that. I want to have this all pink, like hyper femme branding or whatever. And I talked to a few labels. Um, but Hopeless was the first one that was like, we're 100% down for the vision. Whatever you want to do, like, tell us where you want to have your video shoots. We'll make it happen, like, whatever, whatever. So they were just really behind the whole, like, artistic vision more than anything that I was like, 
okay, for sure, this is the right fit for me because I think everyone was kind of into the whole like emo trap metal like vibe already. So I think I could have like done sound wise a lot of places, but Hopeless for me was the one that was like artistic vision, you go do you, we'll like get you the right graphic designers, whatever to make that happen. So perfect yeah. fit for, yeah. It's so important to find the kind of right people that you're going to collaborate with on this kind of thing. That's so, so nice to hear it worked out like that. And particularly when, you know, it, it, it is a nice moment now where even like maybe five years ago, I would say the idea of being able to mix up that many genres and stuff, and particularly like even on one song, I would say Pink Rubber moves between like three different genres on its own in the space of one song, which is great. Even five years ago, that would have been kind of unheard of. It's got to be nice to have the freedom right now to be able to throw whatever you want genre-wise of what you're doing, right? Yeah, I feel that way. Like people always complain like the state of music, whatever. I feel like we're in such a golden age of music to where sure. like, genres like we're so post genre right now that i think every time i listen to a song i'm like oh that's something really exciting because it's familiar and also like the weirdest combination of things that it's always exciting mm -hmm. for me so i'm really stoked on like just being able to do literally every single thing i think i have like a bit of most genres in this first project that i have coming out like there's there's a lot of range in it, um, which I'm excited for everyone to hear, so nice no no look forward to hearing kind of what's next we should mention of course as well you know I'm, I'm i always feel weird asking people about tiktok because it's like hey success on tiktok but so is everything that's that's the world we live in exactly, right now yeah. this is the way music world operates a lot of way but i do always like hearing artists kind of talk about how they how they approach it i suppose because every, that is kind of the interesting thing is that all artists seem to be approaching it in really quite different and interesting ways how do you feel about using it to represent your music and to best represent what you want to do so i think for me it's kind of like i don't know i didn't realize this but i feel like i'm kind of in a way bred for tiktok because i think i have my whole music thing um but i also am just like a fan of the scene so i like making my weird like funny videos that are fully unrelated to my music i think it would be a lot harder for me on tiktok if i was like only putting out strictly my music content because TikTok followings, you have to like feed them constantly. They always want to like, you know, or else you end up getting lost in the algorithm. People can't find your music anymore. So you kind of need to be like cranking out content all of the time. For me, because I like doing these like weird, funny videos, it works out to where I don't have to like constantly be shoving music down people's throats just to grow my following. Um, and it's kind of funny. The way my TikTok ended up working out is my first like, 10,000 followers that I kind of like accumulated this like little community before I even dropped music just because I was only posting things about Warp Tour or what have you like these funny videos and it was all like 10,000 people that were really engaged with my following or really engaged with my content um so then as soon as I dropped music they were all like hyping me up or whatever to the point that it like massively drove up my algorithm so I went Oh, hey, <laughs> my roommate's walking in and literally scared the life out of me. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it like they immediately started engaging with it. it took me from like 10,000 to like 120,000 followers. My first song, second song, like Pretty in Pink, they did that again, like 120,000 to 220,000. And then this next song, it went from like 230,000 to now I have like 330,000. Um, so I think it's just like, it's worked for me because I've been able to like 
make this community of people that are super into specifically like the scene that I'm in, whatever. Um, I think you see TikTok people with like a significantly bigger following than me, but because they are posting content that's like not related to what their music is or like too many trends that are outside the wheelhouse of like what they want to do artistically, that it doesn't really like translate in streams um because people are like well i'm interested in like watching you do dances i don't know that i'm interested in like your music that's whatever style with me they're like well i'm interested in the scene so i'll support your artist project even if like some of them decide they don't like love my artist project at least they can like get behind okay i'm supporting a woman in the scene and like the scene needs whatever so that's kind of how i approach it i try and as cliche as it sounds i feel like you need to like really stick with your niche within TikTok. And then like, that's where you can find the most success if you're trying to take it to platforms outside of TikTok, like I am with Spotify and all that, so. No, it makes a lot of sense. You've got to find the area where it works best for you. Absolutely. And it, it, it makes sense. And I think the fact that, as we keep saying, you are clearly a fan of the scene. You're clearly a fan of the bands that you all grew up on and, and are clearly citing as influences. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a natural fit. And it leads me on kind of to my next question. I want to talk collabs, man. Is there anyone on the list? Anyone that's been lined up? Any dream collabs that you'd love to get on that list? Talk to me about the kind of collaboration side of how you want to move forward. So... I want to collaborate with like a bunch of people that are kind of like on the outskirts of like the scene meets, you know, like other genres. So I'm talking like, I want a Fever 333 collab because like, that's so like heavy, but it's also very much relevant in the mainstream world. Um, every single person like always comments like you and Poppy, you and Poppy, which is like, a dream collab for me because I feel like we're both really weird but in very different ways so I think we like could do something very like strange but cool at the same time um I love like you know like Rico Nasty and people like that I would love to have like that sort of like feature um who else god there's like a million people I could list um I like I was a huge like set it off pierce the veil the ready set um fan growing up so any of those three like but like I said I'd rather like really hone in or like double down on what I'm trying to do sound wise and get someone that's kind of like super out there and interesting um I like think like something like a pussy riot song could be like insane like just weird like I don't know I'm I'm not shying away from like weird and experimental on this at all um and I think that's what makes the coolest music like Pink Rover is, you know, like you said, four different genres. Every section is like a weird section of it. So I'm definitely not afraid of that. And I love like the K-pop world because of that too. Like all those songs are like 20 different people doing a solo part and then it all comes together in one different song. So yeah, that's kind of, that's where my head's at right now, but we'll see. I'm like in the very beginning stages of my project. So I'm open to like, a lot of different collabs just to see what happens but that is that's kind of what i'm thinking right now yeah 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, not being afraid to kind of try new things, like we say, and kind of reach out to all kinds of different eyes. That definitely, definitely tracks. Um, I'm not sure how much you're allowed to tell me or how much you're allowed to give away at this point. I honestly should have asked this, this before I got on this call. <laughs> it's fine. If I, I'll get in trouble, not you. It's fine. Um, I guess, okay, that's the better question. How much do you want to tell me about what's to come? How oh, much do you want to like, hint at? I want to tell everyone everything. That's the problem. <laughs> like... <laughs> If you would have got me on the phone call before my first single came out, I would have told you the next four. Like, yeah, I'm one of this. <laughs> okay, let's do some hinting then. Let's do some hinting then. We know there's a couple of songs clearly still to come and everything. What's the bigger plan moving forward? Are we thinking EP? Are we thinking a long album already? Like, what, what kind of stage are we at at the minute? So, I, I don't know if you've gathered this from my other songs, but everything I write is, like, kind of around the two-minute something mark. Um... I have the world's shortest attention span, just like unmedicated ADHD. I cannot make it to a three minute and 30 second like song. Um, I mean, I'll have like one or two written, but like the majority of my discography is like three minute cap out. Like I like to have these quick, like in and out, like songs that are catchy enough that you can remember them like first six listens or something. Um, so for me, I think the full album structure is not really suited for me just yet in my career especially because like like i said i'm a TikTok person and that audience needs to be like fed pretty regularly um so i'm definitely like in the headspace of i want to do singles and eps right now um whether i decide like a couple eps down the line like now it's time to like really sit down and make a full length we'll see um but yeah right now i'm like a singles and ep sort of person Man, not that not that anything's coming not that any <laughs> coming i mean who knows time yeah, will tell yeah there's no way of knowing we'll just have to wait and see um i'll leave you with this which is a kind of a question i've been asking loads of people about recently but live stuff obviously you know the last couple of years have been an absolute nightmare for it but everything's sort of opening up again in a positive way it feels like things are getting back to some kind of relative normality in terms of live music have you been thinking about putting together the show have you been thinking about what you want it to look like how you want it to be themed around these songs you've already put out yet yeah so i definitely think for me if i'm doing a headliner it needs to be like the weirdest possible scenario i'm talking about like i have to contact the venue and make the whole venue pink like i'm extremely extra in how i like to operate my things which i think makes the best art if you just take it to 110 so live show wise i have a couple headline things coming up that will be super weird um guaranteed but like exciting and you know I just want to take a different approach to like the whole metal scene I want to you know be the one that's saying okay we have an all-girl mosh pit like guys get out of the way for this one sorry about it like girls flinging their ponytails around like most dramatic scenarios um and then yeah as far as like hopping on a tour or something um like I said, my project's very new. I think I need to like, I think people needed to see me get a couple songs out before they're like, oh, this person makes sense for a tour. Cause I had two, two minute songs out and they're like, how is that gonna translate into a live show? Um, but yeah, these headliners are like me kind of showing what the live show is about. And then yeah, for next year, that's kind of like where we're shooting as far as trying to like hop on tours and stuff like early next year, but that, yeah. 
exciting times ahead i'm glad to see it's all sort of starting to come together like that man it's nice to see those i mean yeah finally and like (laughs) to the outside world it seems like this is all happening really fast but like i have been holding on to these songs for like a year and a half now so i'm like i'm ready to go like you know yeah of course you are no no it's exciting times ahead man for sure well i mean like i said congratulations on the success of this single we look forward to seeing what's coming next and hopefully see you over here in the uk for some live shows at some point as well i would love that oh it'd be great fun man. it'd be great to see what you're you're kind of preparing with this whole era but yeah in the meantime take care of yourself out there and uh looking forward to more new music all right it was so great talking to you you too absolutely lovely to see you all right scene queen everybody (laughs) 